All right, look at with me at Matthew chapter 16. And we're going to continue talking the doctrine of salvation and talking about how works come into play in our salvation. And we are going to look at verse 24. And we have noticed that we've been focusing on that salvation is accomplished totally by Jesus' work, and we just receive it in repentance and faith, but then we are to pursue good works. We are to live out good works after our salvation as a result of it. That's what true salvation produces. And that's the point of James, that faith should produce good works. And faith without works is dead, is a false faith. It should result in a changed life, in an obedient life, a life that seeks to obey God and do good works. And today we're going to notice some things the Bible says then about works in the future that we are going to be rewarded for our good works, which is a testimony that God wants that in our life. He, he wants that produced in our life. That's His will. And He gives rewards as a testimony that uh, He was pleased with that, that that's what He's looking for in our lives. Well, let's look at what Jesus says about that here in Matthew 16. In verse 24, He says, Then Jesus said to His disciples, If anyone desires to come after Me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow Me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So there we see when Jesus talked about being saved, he talked about a whole life commitment. He talked about turning your life over to him, to follow him. Uh, that was a very common phrase that Jesus taught when he would speak to people. His invitation simply many times was, come, follow me. And that described uh, a turning away from themselves and from sin and believing in Him and then following Him, which meant obeying Him. Do what He did. Go where He went. And that is how Jesus describes a saved person. Verse 26 says, For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of His Father with His angels, and then He will reward each according to His works. So here in this text about salvation, that is a very fundamental foundational teaching of Jesus about taking up, denying ourselves, taking up our cross, following Him. It's about discipleship. He then concludes it with saying that then in the end, when everything's over, God is going to reward everyone according to their works. And that we're going to be rewarded. We're going to receive rewards for our good, good works. And that doesn't necessarily mean that we can take credit for them in the truest sense of the word. Because none of us would serve God unless God had worked in our hearts. Unless God leads us. Unless God opens our eyes and our minds and our hearts to want to do that. We do respond. We willingly respond in that way, in a small way. We are 
participating in it. But if God did not do that in our hearts first, none of us would do that. As Jesus said that uh, John 6, he said, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draw him. Jesus said none of us would believe on him if he had not worked in our hearts first. So the real credit goes to Jesus, but we are given a reward in participating in it. Uh, we will be rewarded according to our works. Well, let's look at some other scriptures to get more details about this. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 5, verse 9. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to Him, to Jesus. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men that we are well known to God, and I also trust are well known in your consciences. So Paul says that we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ to be judged according for our works. And that's for rewards. Uh, the Bible teaches that we won't be judged for our sins. That, that was paid for by Jesus at the cross. But our lives will be examined. And the judgment here, the judgment seat of Christ, is for the saved of their works to determine the rewards that we will get. And so God is looking for us to serve Him with works. And He will have a judgment uh, to evaluate that to, on the basis to give us rewards. Uh, let's look at another scripture uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And Paul talks about more details about getting rewards for our works. Let's start with verse 12. Chapter 3, verse 12. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Do you not know that you are the temple of, the, of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. So there Paul says that the judgment will be a judgment by fire in some sense, that our works are valued as gold, silver, or uh, precious stone, which will survive burning in fire. They're just purified in fire, but wood, hay, and straw, he describes as some of our works, and they will get burnt. They don't survive fire. So Paul says that our works will be judged, whether they were perhaps good works or done in the right motive, and they will be tested on those bases, and if they are found inferior, they will be in a sense, burn up and, and gain nothing. But if they survive, they survive the examination, then he says, verse 14, he will receive a reward. So the good works we have done, we will receive a reward for them. What are those rewards? 
Well, let's look at another scripture of Paul and, and maybe get a little more clues. Let's look at uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6. Paul is speaking at the end of his life and he says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Paul speaks there of a crown. He says, I'm going to receive a crown of righteousness. He says, because I've kept the faith. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I have kept the faith. And that is Paul meaning that he obeyed Christ in his life to the end. He stayed on course of teaching the truth, living out the truth, obeying the truth, whereas others went astray into false teaching and living immoral lives and in, in disobedient lives. And Paul indicates that a Christian can get pulled astray. But he said, I fought the good fight. It's a fight. It's a struggle. we got to fight that day in, day out, week in, week out that we say, we renew our commitment to Jesus' words there in Matthew 16. I've got to, if I want to follow Jesus, I've got to deny myself, take up the cross, die to sin, see sin as an ugly, bad thing that I don't want, and follow Jesus. I've, we've got to renew that every day, every week. Paul describes that as a good fight. The good fight. Struggle against our sinful flesh and our uh, and this temptation of sin, we say no to it. We run our race. We, Paul said, I kept the faith. Paul said, I did not get pulled astray. I did not turn aside. I did not go away from Jesus. I kept the faith. And Paul said then, I have a crown waiting for me. A crown of righteousness. And there is some debate whether Paul is speaking figuratively here or literally. Will there be a literal crown he will get? Or is it a symbolic representation of some other type of reward? Well, let's go to Revelation 4 and, and look at what it says there. And verse 4. As John sees the God sitting, sitting on His throne in heaven, it says in verse 4, around the throne were 24 thrones, and on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their heads. And then verse 10, look at verse 10. Um, oh, let's start back in verse 9. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to Him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before Him who sits on the throne and worship Him who lives forever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. So these elders, who are human beings, saved individuals, are there around the throne. They have crowns of gold on their heads. It sounds to me like it's a literal crown. Especially when it goes to the worship and they take that crown and throw it at his feet. To me, that sounds like it's a literal thing. That they're actually given crowns of some sort to wear as a reward. 
And so I think it's likely this is a, it's literal. This is a part of the reward. There will be a literal crown given. And Paul speaks about other crowns in other places, and there may be more than, more than one. And you say, well, if someone has more than one, then what's the value of that? Well, it's kind of like a person that's got a couple of rings. You might wear one sometime, wear another, you might wear both. can't wear probably a crown, two crowns at the same time. But if you wear one one time and another another time, it's similar to what we do now. Uh, like if you ladies have a piece of jewelry, you know, you may have several you have and you switch back and forth. You pick which one you want to wear. It seems to be that type of thing. It's going to be a reward. Look with me at the end of the book and see, I think there's a further glimpse of it uh, in chapter 19, yes, 19 and verse 7 and 8. Let us be glad and rejoice and give Him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and His wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints he describes this is the church the bride is he who he's talking about and that's to say that's us and that we are arrayed in a fine linen robe and we saw that reference uh in Revelation 4, that the 24 elders were there in white robes. And that's the description here of this fine linen, clean and bright. But it identifies, it makes a statement, the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. To me, that indicates an element of our reward, that the white robe is... A part of our reward, much like the crown is. It says it's the righteous acts of saints. How could, the, how could our righteous acts be connected to a robe other than it's a part of our reward? And so I think, I lean toward that this is an element of our rewards, that um, the robe will be given a, a white robe to wear, that is reflection of our righteous acts. And you say, well, how can that be a degree of reward? Well, it could be in this way, is in the later chapters, uh, the end chapters, chapter 21 and 22, it mentions that the new Jerusalem comes down out of heaven, which is the bride, and that the, the bride reflects that she has glory having the glory of god and and we know that means that she is reflecting god's glory the uh, it, it, chapter 21 says the only light source is god and the lamb that's the light source and that we then re reflect the light and so the light source is not from us but we're reflecting so if we're giving off the glory of god in chapter 21 and we have this white robe it could be that our robes reflect the light of God. And that's how we give off light. It's like the moon does to the sun. And a degree of rewards could be that the robe we're given 
is matched to the works we did, and it may have the ability to reflect more light than a robe that had less works represented to it. You know, maybe in a sense, like, like if you have a garment, it can have like little beads or, or uh, uh, little reflective things all over it. I don't know what you call them, sequins or whatever you want to call them. And if you shine a light on that, it's going to sparkle a lot more than a garment that doesn't have those things on it. And I'm thinking it could be that type of thing, that if this robe reflects our righteous acts, that there could be degrees of reward in that the more righteous acts we have that survive the, te- the judgment, the more decorative, in a sense, our robe is and more ability it has to reflect God's light. So it reflects it more than a robe that if we didn't do as much works. I'm thinking that could be how the degree of rewards gets played out. I just thought of an Old Testament scripture that could relate to this. Let's look at that. Daniel 12, verse 2 and 3. Daniel here is receiving a vision about the end times. And after the resurrection, and he says in verse 2, And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Now there, God tells Daniel that those who are saved We will shine. We'll give off light. And again, it has to be a reflection of reflecting the light of Jesus. And he says, like the brightness of the firmament and like the stars forever and ever. Well, the stars shine different intensities. There's some that are brighter than others. And to me, that's a reference that there there could be a a difference depending on, on our rewards that could be different depending on the level of reward that we receive and that it would be reflected literally in ability to reflect more light the more reflect more light of jesus shine brighter in a sense as it says there shining um those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament he seems he seems to indicate there can be a uh, level, different levels of brightness. And that would make sense. Of more reward would be a higher level of brightness, giving off of this of robe. Um, less works would be less brightness. That seems to be the language to me of how it may happen. That there is going to be a degree of rewards based on what we have done from God's work in us, and Paul describes it as a crown. And then John is a robe that gives off light. And these are going to be the rewards that we'll have. And when we have those, it'll last forever. Whatever we get from the judgment seat of Christ... In our rewards, it's set forever. So whatever robe we get, whatever crowns we get, 
That's what we're going to have forever and ever. Whatever we don't get, as Paul said, if we suffer loss, and that some could suffer loss of every, not, like not get any rewards, it seems to indicate, Paul, Paul seems to indicate there in 1 Corinthians, they may um, suffer loss, but yet be saved so as by fire. I mean, they just are saved, they get into heaven, but they don't have much rewards then that's the loss. That we just lose a reward we could have forever and enjoy forever, and you don't have it forever. That, that's how God talks about works and the rewards for them. And so the point is that God plans for us and designs for us to be carrying out good works. That is why He saved us. That is what He's wanting out of our lives as a result of our salvation. And then in eternity, He's going to reward us according to how we did that, how we obeyed Him and carried out the works He wanted us to do. We will receive rewards based on how we obeyed and how we worked. And that's what God tells us um, because that is what God is wanting and that is what God is, will reward uh, in in the end and so so this is how faith and works relate is that we receive eternal life through repentance and faith and then we live out our faith by good works and if we have true faith it will result in good works for jesus and then he will reward that in the end, forever. So that's some good motivation that God's given us a certain amount of years here on the earth and we need to make the most of them because whatever we do with our life here on the earth, once we die, then whatever has been accomplished, it's set that way forever. And there's nothing we can do to change it. Once our life's over, what we've done Good or bad, it's set. And whatever rewards we're able to receive, we'll have them forever. Whatever loss of rewards we don't, you know, we, we experience, then we lose that forever. It's set. So that's sobering to think about how eternity is forever. And it'll all be determined when our life's over. Our life on this earth will determine our future reality. Whether in this life we must make a decision to repent and believe on Jesus in order to be saved. And once you die, and if you've not done that, it's set forever. If you've done that, then you have eternal life forever. Same thing with rewards, though, too. We must serve Jesus now in our time on the earth, and then we'll be rewarded forever for that, or we will miss out on something forever to the degree that we've not done what God wanted us to do. And so may we keep our eyes and think about the future and eternity, and that will help us have a proper perspective on our life on the earth. All right, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for these sobering truths and help us to take them to heart and to remember them this week and in the days ahead. 
uh, of the works you want us to do. And we're here, we're, we're, we've been regenerated so we can do good works to glorify you and serve you here on the earth. And that's why you've left us here. That's why you've saved us. And help us, Lord, to make the most of our time to be serving you, to be doing works for you. And then in your goodness, you will reward us for all eternity for those works. We thank you for your goodness, graciousness to us, and all these good plans. Strengthen us to live these things out in our lives today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.